Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the man that in Spain is known as Makina de Amor Peluda. Word. Dave Burles, Berlin. Oh, man. I don't know what that was, but really, anything in Spanish just sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. Sounds pretty good, right? Sounds pretty good. Definitely. That's the you could have called me stupid, smelly man that don't worry what? resembles a a man who living in no home. Wait, it wasn't what? that. It was it's furry love machine. That was furry love oh, machine. Oh, a furry love machine. Yeah, yeah. I surmise that our listeners from Spain had already spread the word about your good looks and your furriness. Yes. So that's yes. what you're known as is a furry love machine. That's okay. I figured it made sense. You know. I'm you know? gonna be famous there. Oh, you already are. Don't worry. Super famous. That's right. Especially Barcelona, because that's where we get the most listens. So, if you go yes. to Barcelona, bring your bring your pen, because you're probably gonna have to sign some autographs. And yeah, I'll do some wrist exercises. Exactly. Yeah. Warm up. Warm up. So true. Uh, you know, you know who does a lot of uh, autographs, hmm. Dave, in a, in a normal non-pandemic uh, world. Hmm. Michael Jordan. Yeah, well, yeah, NBA players. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. But this this intro is not about Michael Jordan. I may throw him in a couple times, but it's not actually about Michael Jordan. Uh, Dave, as we've mentioned on the show, we've all been into the NBA bubble since this came on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's been must see. Well, we TV. haven't been into it. No, we haven't been into it. We're not allowed into Wait, it. We're not no. one of the. We're not. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, we're not part of the family, you know. We don't get. We don't get a. I. I wish I was related to Rondo or the Joker, and I could just go in and be one of the people at right. the sweet AAU tournament games. It'd be awesome. But I mean, totally. it's, it's been must see TV. The Heat making the impossible happen. Yes! AD hitting game winners for thirty feet. Jamal Murray mm-hmm. scoring fifty multiple times. Everybody right. on the Lakers, with the exception of LeBron, just getting different hairstyles basically every game. Wait, what? What's that all about, by the way? Have you noticed that? Like every no, one of them shows. Good point. Every one no, of them shows up it. with a different hairdo, and I'm just like, what? Like AD started wearing his cornrows, came in with cornrows, and then somebody had these twists going on. I forget who was wearing the twist, and I was just like, what? Is there like a extra barber at the at the Lakers side of town in the bubble? Like, yeah, geez. someone without a family just said, "I'm bringing my barber in." Apparently, but anyways, the reason I bring this up, I think we can pretty much say the Lakers are going to the finals. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't want to be presumptive, yeah. but it seems like that. Um, yeah, they're playing pretty unstoppable. AD's looking like a monster. LeBron's out there playing great. Rondo's even, he's getting into the action. So you know? true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason I felt like we needed to talk about this, Dave, was because I've heard from multiple people, including oh. our favorite NBA analyst, Claude Lathan, uh, folks have been telling me that it needs to be the Lakers and the Celtics in the finals, and the Lakers need to win 
for Kobe. Hmm. For Kobe. That's right. It's what I've heard. Um, and not just not just like one person. Several people have told me this. I've seen it on Instagram. I've heard it a mm-hmm. whole bunch of places, you know? And yeah. I mean it's a lovely thought, right? It's a, it's, a, it's yeah, a, I agree with that. A lovely thought for us folks here on Earth, but mm-hmm. you know, as I started thinking about it, you know, and, and like everything as far as like on face value makes sense. Like you know, it's the only team he played for, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he, uh, he, he, and it's they're coming up against their number one foe, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. They've met a mm-hmm. record twelve times in the finals already. Like, if they meet again, mm-hmm. that'd be 13. The team that Kobe won his last title against was the Lakers, or the Celtics. So, you know, mm. I get it. Okay. It makes that, sense. That, that makes a little bit more. But, you know, then I started thinking about it, and I was like, "Does is, is this really what Kobe wants? Are mm-hmm. Lakers just being selfish and mm. putting this into Kobe? And I, so I started thinking about this, and this is just... Me bouncing some ideas off of my head because I have no one to talk to because we're in a pandemic. Um, right. So here's That's some. That's what I'm here for. Here's some thoughts, Dave. <laughs> here's some thoughts. Let's get some perspective. First of all, I assume most of these fans they're spiritual folks. I'm guessing, right? And mm-hmm. I assume most mm-hmm. of them are thinking Kobe's up in heaven, right? I'm guessing that's right. what they're thinking. Well, if, if that's right. the case, the dude is literally in the greatest place ever. That's a fact. Like. Mm-hmm. They probably mm-hmm. got some awesome game 10,000 times better than basketball we don't even know about. Heaven ball, whatever oh, that's all about, right? So true. I mean, Interesting point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the greatest place ever, you don't need to watch There's basketball. Be ab- I mean, we tend to watch basketball because we aren't in the greatest place ever. So true. Right? That's why we right. like it so much in the pandemic. I mean, think about this. Like, if you get a free trip to St. Lucia, when we were talking about how awesome St. Lucia is, and they set you up mm-hmm. with a big mansion and, you, and, and the ability to throw huge parties, and you can do whatever you want, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you catch that NBA game last night? You're going to be like, uh, <laughs> no, I was busy in awesome land. I'm sorry, I don't care about the NBA, Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. When I, you're when you're busy and and doing something fun, you don't you kind of t- it kind of takes a back seat to that. Exactly. Second, if again we're thinking that that Kobe is in heaven, th- this dude mm-hmm. is in 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 a place where you you live forever, and mm-hmm. he just got there this year. Like literally, mm-hmm. he just got there, and like. You know, he may help them invent the next game. <laughs> well, I mean, he just got there, so think of it like this, right? Don't you think he should have a little build-up to this dramatic showdown of Lakers versus Celtics? Like, I mean, let's mm. say you and your friends take a big trip to Vegas for a week, mm-hmm. and the very mm-hmm. first night you get there, you don't even have any time to decompress. Your dude's like, hey, all-out party. Tonight, Wait, what? Right. And you're like, time to go. You're like, whoa, yeah. whoa, guys, can't we hold off till like Thursday or Friday? Like, I need a little time to build up to this great party, right? I mean, I'm just saying. I think, I think, I think that's what Kobe would be in there. And lastly, let's 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 think. Does Kobe really want the Lakers to win? I mean, in general, 
you would think Kobe wants his only team to win. That makes sense. Oh, definitely. But Kobe was one of the most competitive players all time. And he wanted his legacy to be the best ever and the best Laker ever. The Lakers have LeBron James on the team right now that will get a lot of credit for the win and be even more in the conversation of greatest ever. I'm just saying. So you think his, so you think his competitiveness, well, and his love for the Lakers. He wants the Lakers to win, but not with LeBron. He's con- would, he's conflicted. Yeah. I'm just saying he's a little oh, conflicted. Man. And I mean, wow. Like I can tell you right now, if I had won the championships, Kobe had won, and the Lakers mm-hmm. win this next finals against the Celtics. The first thing mm-hmm. I'd be saying is. You know, the Celtics we beat had Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Rajon Rondo. Well, you guys have Tatum. Come on. (laughs) What? Mm. Like, I'm just saying the competitiveness would be there. He doesn't want to tarnish that record. Bottom line is, I'm just saying, Dave, who knows? Kobe may want to see Miami versus Denver. Mm. Who knows? He may want to see that. We don't know. We can't predict, right? We can't right. predict, right. but I, I, I can say something that I know for sure, and that's the majority of the country wants more Doc G show. Nope. Right? Ooh, I mean, the majority. Majority. A thousand. You mean all of them? Yeah, go close, close. I don't want to. I don't want to say a thousand percent, but a thousand percent. Wait, what? Do you right. do you want to fire this show up, Dave? Let's fire it up, buddy. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Oh my gosh, Dave. The show, fantastic. That's right. Fantastic. We have a musical guest. It's going to knock your socks off. Word. The movement. The movement. We've got Josh Swain, their lead singer. He's going to be here. He's going to talk to us. All right. All 18 right. years in the musical game they've been going. Starting in a little place that I know quite well, Columbia, South Carolina. Say what? And just m- moving all over the country, going to Philadelphia, going to Denver, going to uh, San Diego. Now he's back in, in uh, Charleston, South South Carolina. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. They, got, they, get, they got an album out they released last year. Fantastic. Way of the world. Fantastic. I'm very all excited. Right. Very excited. We're going to hear some tracks off of it. We're also going to hear a new song that they just released uh, about a month ago. Very good. Mm. Very good. Um, But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Indeed. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay. Okay, Dave. So, these are very big names. And... I know you know them. It may be a little bit tough off of some of the clues, but I'm I'm still pretty confident. So don't let me down. Uh, I've got right. I, I've got 85 and 90 for the first two. They're not in your wheelhouse. They're music. 85, 90. Okay. But they're music legends. So mm. hopefully you got it. Okay. Okay. I think his nickname will give it away in this first one. We'll see. Okay. Born on September 23rd, 1949 in Long Brand, New Jersey. His father was a bus driver and his mother was a legal secretary. While growing up, he was a loner, but he loved playing his guitar. 
After high school, he was drafted for the Vietnam War, but he failed the physical examination because of a concussion he had uh, in a motorcycle wreck earlier that year. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the late 60s, he created a three-piece band called Earth, but by the 70s, yeah. he was performing by himself. He eventually started performing with a band that he called the E Street Band, and they gave Bruce him... Bruce Springsteen. Yeah! I should have known, man. You're New Jersey, of course. There's too many people. My mom yeah. loves Bruce Springsteen. I knew it. I knew it. There's, <laughs> there's too much New Jersey in you to not know that one. Come on. It's, exactly. It's, oh, man, I would be disowned. It's impossible. I didn't even get to the I didn't even get to the nickname the boss. That was the next the thing. But uh yes, in 1975 he released one of his most notable albums Born to Run with songs like Born to Run, Thunder Road and Jungle Land. He grew to mm -hmm. worldwide fame in 1984. He released the most popular album to date, Born in the USA. The title mm -hmm. track being misinterpreted by millions thinking that it was a patriotic tune, but really it was meant as a protest song discussing how the Vietnam War displaced and fractured the lives of thousands of working-class Americans. In 2009, okay. he performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. In 2016, he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama. Over his career, he has sold 135 million records and won 20 Grammys and is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Bruce Springsteen. Boss. Yes. Happy birthday. Yes. Almost I should, 70? 68? Uh, is it? 71. No, 71. 49. Oh, 71. Oh, 49. Okay. I got yeah. this up. Yep. 71. Dang. Mm -hmm. Still killing it. Looking he'll good. Go, man, he'll play concerts and literally play for like four hours. Yes. He rocks out. No opener. He rocks Just out. Straight jams. Yeah. Yes. And he's got he's got the hammer hand. When he's playing the guitar, his fist just rocks down, just in this rock yeah. motion of just like like he's punching the guitar into submission. Just like, ah, <laughs> you will obey me. This is my guitar. You know, do just, what I say. I do have to say, I think Born in the USA is my favorite jam. It's just and I mean I like Born to Run too. Oh yeah. You get a free you get a free feeling with Born to Run. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, yeah. it, it's almost like I wish they replaced the Titanic song with that when he was on the front of the mm. of the ship. <laughs> you know? Right. Just yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it wouldn't really fit with the period, but it's a good no. jam. <laughs> it's a good jam. But anyways, happy birthday, Bruce. A uh, for sure a rock legend. So many of our oh, guests yeah. have actually talked about how Bruce inspired them. I remember in particular the bones of J.R. Jones. That was he wore that tape out. That's right. He wore That's right. That's he right. wore Born in the USA out. So there you go. Lovers of Bruce Springsteen. Definitely the Garden State loves some Bruce Springsteen for sure. Man, do they? For sure. Every New Jersey uh, resident that I know is a huge fan. Do you, do you think... Hard to not like him. Do, do you think the uh, uh, Jersey Shore gang, they're a big fan? I never heard them oh, really yeah. talk about it, I mean, but... 
They never talked about it, but I, I would assume if you played I mean, some Bruce Springsteen, I mean, they I, wouldn't turn it off. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like they would be disowned by their state if they did. So, like, well, they yeah, can't. they probably have, like, a dubstep version of <laughs> a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> oh, that is that is weird to think about, but I I, I, I agree with I'm you. Gonna find I, one, I, I'm going to find one and send it to you. <laughs> I agree with you that that's probably the case. Anyways, okay. Are you ready to rip some headlines, Dave? Let's rip it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Oh, man. Okay, we got some good stories. I'm excited about the ones we've got today. So first off, Dave, in this world of COVID, online mm-hmm. learning, it's become a thing. Ugh. It's become a thing. I know. It's, it's, I mean, from kindergarten to PhD, everybody's getting it done over the internet. And uh, thanks to the show, you're well aware that some people have not been prepared for the switch. Nope. It's caught them totally. off a little off guard. Uh, Dave, this apparently means the parents as well. And this was brought to attention at a Boca Raton school board meeting this past mm. week. So, We've had some issues at Boca Raton schools. <laughs> we have. Remember the, and the th- principal? This one, this one's just more humorous and less offensive than the principal. So okay. uh, this is uh, from elementary school Edith Pride, a uh, teacher. She had a little reprimanding uh, of the parents. So <laughs> she said, quote, Parents, please make sure that you have on proper clothing when you're walking behind your child's computer because we've seen them in their drawers, their bras, Mm. and everything else. Wait, what? She continued by saying, when you're helping your children at their computer, please do not appear with a big joint in your hand. What? Or a cigarette. I mean, seriously, those joints are as big as cigars. Oh, yeah. What? We've seen it all. (laughs) I like wow. I like how she Those adds joints are big as cigars. Uh, yeah, I like how she adds the size of the joint like it matters. Like For if reference. It, if yeah. it was a discreet discreet manageable joint and they'd be like oh that's okay that's uh right it was fine. like the butt of a joint yeah as compared to just like this huge one but a like g- it, giant way. giant comical size one now you've crossed the line <laughs> that is too much but then another teacher said uh quote i had a father with no shirt drinking a beer at 11 45 in the morning <laughs> say what <laughs> <laughs> so dave there are so many things about this story First, I, I, you know, I, I get being presentable for the teacher and the other students in your class, but mainly mm-hmm. I got to say, be presentable for your own kid. Yes. Your child doesn't want to see you walk around half naked in your house. Nope. Like, come on. If they do, then you, if the, if the kid does like to see you walk around half naked, you guys need to see a psychologist. All right? Right. Something a little weirder there. Like, parents, like, come on. These parents are talking about horrors of putting some kind of, you know, Zoom bombing pornography. You know what's worse than that? Your own parents' pornography. Nobody wants to see that. Ew. Like, jeez, come on. Second, the dude couldn't even wait till noon for the beer. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Come, what a day. And he and he can't put a shirt on? Like, how are you going to tell your kid to do your homework? He's going to be like, 
Why should I do my homework? I've already done more than you today. At least I put a shirt on to go to my class. <laughs> you couldn't even do that? Jeez, Dad, come on. I mean, jeez. Come on, parents. Get it together. Get it together. I think I'd be I'd be that parent, like, not even think about what I was wearing. Lame. I don't know. I feel like I'd be, like, oblivious to it going on. I think I'd... You know, until you, get cowed, until you get called out on it. I think I'd be cognizant of a shirt. I think I would be. I'd like to think I would be. Uh, but, like, if the kid is, like, doing something... Like, let's say it's, like, a fifth grader, you know? They're pretty, you know, independent. Like, all these kids know how to use computers at this point. Not sure. And they call you for, like, a rant... They call you for a random help. Yeah. And then you're, you're like, just chilling around because you work from home. And you haven't had to put a shirt on yet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know? I, I can definitely tell you, though, I wouldn't be drinking the beer. Nope. I can tell you that much. Yeah. That wouldn't that, be happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Anyways, uh, Dave, let's move on to the next story. Uh, okay. Most people in the world are well aware which continent is most likely to kill you by crazy animals and organis- uh, organisms. Mm, that would be Australia. You know? Every time. Now it's followed by Africa, but it's pretty. Africa's pretty far back there. I know. Yeah, it's, definitely. I mean, it's got. They've got lions. Like, they've got Ebola. Uh, they've got some weird brain-eating snails. But ew. Australia beats you. Sorry, they've just got it. They got box jellies. They got crocodiles. They got sharks. They just got everything. And we got another thing to add to that list. Hmm. We got something that can severely injure you possibly kill you if it's bad enough and it's not even animal this time it's a tree what a tree that's right even the plants can kill you in australia dave they will reach oh out and gosh. kill you Jeez. so the uh oh boy the dendrochnid plant uh which is part of the nettle family uh have you ever ran into a stinging nettle dave hmm no. They are not. What the heck is that? They are not Stinging pleasant. nettle. Stinging nettle. So uh, all nettle plants, like the, 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 the dendrochnid that we're talking about, have these little needle-like hairs that pierce mm-hmm. your skin when they're touched. They almost look almost like sticky when you look at them really up close, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they can mm-hmm. really easily pierce your skin, and when they do... The stinging nettle in America, it causes like a histamine allergic response. And it causes, it gets uh-huh. really itchy and it's painful for like 30 minutes. Ugh. But if you don't itch yeah. it, if you don't itch it for like 30 minutes, it goes away. It starts, so yeah. it's not that bad. But the dendrochnid in Australia, it's unique because when you rub up against it, not only does it have this sort of allergic reaction, it causes mm-hmm. severe debilitating pain that can cause people not mm. to be able to walk. And scientists discovered oh God. it's because it has a neurotoxin in it. Jeez. A neurotoxin oh that's similar to what spiders and snakes have in their venom. Girl, come on! This, this neurotoxin arguably makes the dendrochnid plant the most venomous plant in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense because it's like around 
all those other like extremely poisonous things. I, I mean, yeah, like, you grow up any relation. You but, grow up in a tough neighborhood. You got to be tough yourself. You know, I, right, I you understand. Know, is it these plants just like over time, just making their protective. They reproduce the protective traits yeah. that you know allow yeah. them to survive. Oh man, I'm gonna be honest though. What, I don't want to go walking world. around in a forest where I can potentially touch a tree and end up in a hospital for weeks. Like, right? I mean, talk about a lame and weird story when people are like, hey, what happened? Oh, I lightly brushed up against a tree and almost died. Girl, come on! What? Oh, yeah, it's a downer. Don't rub up against those guys. And let or me... Like, I was, going to get, I was going to get my golf ball and I nicked it and... Oh, man. Let, let me tell you, Dave, having experienced just a regular uh, stinging nettle... I don't want any part of this tree because those stinging. What state did you do the stinging nettle? That was Virginia, but I do believe they're in most of the southeast. It runs pretty much most of the southeast. I do believe, but I can't confirm that. Don't I can't I can't confirm it a hundred percent. Anyways, Dave, get out your notepad. Okay, we've got some reasons not to shoot someone. It's uh, it's time that list. This is going to be a long one. It's time, time to add another one. So we're going to head up to uh, Pierce County, Washington, which is okay. uh, close to Seattle. It's uh, a Tacoma, that, which is you know associated with Seattle, a little bit south. It's in, uh, mm-hmm. it's in Pierce County. So a man was sitting mm-hmm. in his house when he heard some loud noises from a construction site mm. that was next to uh, Artendale uh, Elementary School. So, the man went over to the construction site and found another man who was stealing wood and materials from the construction site. Word. Oh, jeez. Now, the detective working this case said, the man at the construction uh, construction site started getting mouthy. He literally Mm. used the word mouthy with the homeowner, and there was a confrontation. At which point, the homeowner pulled out his gun and shot the man. Wait, what? Golly. Now. Wow. Dave, let me say, I know the gun-loving folks of this country will say, yeah, that's what this guy gets. Amen. That's what the amendment's for. But let me follow that by saying, that's not what he should have got. Nope. I'm going to go ahead and follow and say, it doesn't deserve that. This guy was stealing wood. That's a fact. Wood. That's a fact. Who cares? Like we it, all agree, he shouldn't have been stealing the wood. But yeah, really, who gives a ass? yeah? And like, if, if if this is one of those cases, if you see him walk off with the wood, Dave, you can you can call the cops. I'll be okay with that. I'd be good in that situation right. to go ahead and call. Yeah, go for it. Like this dude's not bothering this other dude's house, and the homeowner walks out of his house, confronts this guy. Causes the confrontation and then shoots him. Mm. Mm. And the guy didn't have a gun. The guy stealing the wood of had, course a, not. had a pair of brass knuckles. That's all he had in his pocket oh. was a pair of brass knuckles. At least he came knuckles. prepared for some sort of fight, but jeez. <laughs> he, well, he was, he, was, he was waiting for a, a hand-on-hand combat. Um, right. <laughs> and, and regardless of whether you think it's right or wrong, that the guy shot this guy, it definitely wasn't a smart decision. Nope. Let me take you through why that wasn't a smart decision. Uh, this homeowner could have quietly called the cops. Cops would mm-hmm. have came and arrested this guy. 
the dude stealing yep. the wood would have never known who called the cops. Nope. Would have never right. known who in the area called the cops. And he probably would have just got mad at the cops and been like, you know what? I hate cops. That's probably what he would have thought. Now, mm -hmm. this homeowner's shot a guy for stealing someone else's wood at a construction site, and this guy knows who shot him and where he lives. So true. That's not a smart thing to do. I'm sorry. It doesn't nope. matter if you have a gun. It's not a smart thing to do. Nope. I'm just saying, reasons not to shoot someone, stealing wood from a construction site. It's not a reason. There you go. Uh, it's not, it's not a reason. Especially if it's not your construction site. No. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if it was your house and it was being built and you came up and people were still, okay, that gives you a little bit more credence. But still, no. 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 All right, Dave. We're headed back to Florida. You ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> we're going to head down to uh, Fort Lauderdale. Well, a little okay. bit below Fort Lauderdale. Um, you've been through, have you been through the Hollywood, Dania Beach area below mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two, yep. two neighboring towns. So true. Uh, well, this past week, there's a little tension started brewing between these two towns. Jeez. Because, uh -oh. because Dania Beach put up new welcome signs on the highway mm. letting mm. people know they were in Dana Beach. Dania Beach. Right. Although there's a problem. These signs in were in Hollywood, Hollywood. not in uh. Dania Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Dummies. Girl, Apparently on. Clive Taylor, a Hollywood activist, and yes, listeners, that's how the newspaper described him. A Hollywood Activist. That's right. He is an activist for the the city of Hollywood, the whole Florida. Anyway, thing about it, he's active for it. So he true. noticed that the improper sign location and alerted City Hall as soon as possible. Oh man! So Clive, who is also the vice president of the Hollywood Historical Society, mm, of course. Talk about some raging parties, am I right, Dave? My goodness. Oh, man. Could you imagine the topics? Head over to Ooh. a Hollywood Historical Society party. You'll find Real out how to rage. Droppers. Oh, yeah. Better oh, bring yeah. two sets. Uh, anyways, Clive said, quote, should have never been there in the first place. That's right. But to have Dania put this mini billboard with lights it's wrong Ugh. it's wrong Ugh. it's so says, freaking wrong it says welcome to dania beach and you're not even in dania beach girl come on my goodness mm. my goodness now now hollywood's mayor he was a little calmer for he was a little calmer about the situation he said i think we'll work together to find a way to celebrate both cities I'm not looking to make a spat about it. We're friendly with Dania Beach. Word. Which, which I really like how they had to add that at the end that they're friendly with Dania Beach. I, I gotta, right. I gotta ask the mayor: Are there cities around there that you aren't friendly with? Hmm. Like, yeah, we're friendly with Dania Beach, but we are not friendly with Hall Hollandale Beach. No, we are at all-out mm. war with them. We hit them with mortar shells for over five hours yesterday. Wait, what? Those got it coming. Like, what? <laughs> of, of course you're friendly with all the neighborhood areas. What is wrong with you? Right. Also, right. Also, not to offend Clive, but 
when when you, when your city was made in 1925, like, is there really that much of a need for a historical society? Hmm. Like, it was it not. It's 95 years old. My grandmother was older than your city. Like, that's it's not really that old. Like, she could tell you more history than the historical society. Second of all, uh, it's part of the Miami metropolitan area anyways. Dania Beach and Mount Hollywood. So whenever you tell right. anyone that's where you're from, you're inevitably just going to have to say, I'm from Miami. And then they're going to go, oh, okay. <laughs> because if you say I'm from Hollywood, they're going to go, California? And you go, no, Hollywood, yeah. Florida. And they're oh. like, where's that? And you're like, it's in between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And they're going to go, where? And you're like, eh, it's Miami. Okay, gotcha. Right. That's right. It's going to be it. So come on, Clive. Just pump the brakes a little bit. It doesn't matter where the sign is. It's close enough. It's fine. Your mayor doesn't even seem to care that much. Anyways. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see. I'll give you the choice for the last story before we go to break, Dave. Do you want to hear about, uh, first, a uh, prison in Indonesia? Or two... A fake bomb in Omaha, or three, Space Force? Um, Space Force. I thought Space Force would draw you in. Uh, yes. Dave, big news. The newest military branch has deployed for a mission. Say what? Oh, really? That's right, Space Force! Woohoo! <laughs> I didn't even hear about that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where did they go? The moon? Mars? Neptune? Another galaxy? Very close to all of those, they went to the Arabian Desert. Wait, what? Yes. Arabian Desert, interesting. The Arabian Desert, yes. So they went to the Arabian Desert. Blam. Um, now, when you dig a little bit into the situation, it does make some sense. Because they were going to the Arabian Desert because they're trying to find ways mm-hmm. to jam, hack, and blind the satellites in the Iranian missile program. So, oh, yes. All right, Space Force, let's freaking get it. So, Colonel Todd Benson, director of Space Force troops, said the missions are not new, and the people are not new. Uh, in fact, Dave, the twenty members of Space Force that were deployed are mm-hmm. Air Force troops that mm-hmm. magically switched. That makes sense. That magically switched uniforms <laughs> to become Space Force members. Uh, right. But I got to say, this all sort of begs the question, Dave. Couldn't we just stay at Air Force then? Hmm. Like, right. Like a, like a subsection of could, the Air Couldn't Force. we just stay? I mean, we probably didn't even need a subsection. I mean, there's still... Like, I mean, think about it. Fighting the same foes. The you're using right. the same people. You're still working from the same air. Come on. Couldn't we just stay under Air Force? Yes! And I thought about this, Dave. If if we can't remove this whole Space Force thing, then I say we go back and retroactively rename our other branches of the military so that they fit our force name, our Space Force and our Air Force. So the Navy will now be Boat Force. Sweet. And the Coast Guard will be Boat Force Part 2. Sweet. And... Army will be Land Force. That's right. And the Marines will be Land Force Part 2. Am I right? That way, we're a little more cohesive. We're forces. 
We're all, I mean, I feel like we're a little too unique with all of our Marines and Navy and just what? Who knows? Force, that's easily understood. We can go with that. I'm just saying. All right. Think about it. It may work for us. Anyways, Dave, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, The Movement. This is Take Me to the Ocean right here on the Doc G Show. Take me to the
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. do us a favor. Go on your podcast downloading app on your phones and download the Doc G Show. Yes. While you're doing that, when you're waiting for it to, you know, download, mm-hmm. just go and give us a review Boom. real quick. Real quick. Say how awesome we are. Yes. You know, you you found us on the internet somewhere somehow. Yes. You know, give us five stars. Yes. Go on the Instagram yes. at Duck G Show. Mm. Like all the posts. Mm. Comment on them. Say how great Doc's editing skills are. Thank he you. Loves to hear. I do. It he makes puts me... a lot of time in. Yes. Yes. It makes me feel good, Dave. It does. It does. It does. And we have the website www.docgshow.com. Boom. 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 Thank you, Dave. Dave, as you know, Welcome. Uh, I bring up things that fit nowhere else in the show right here. That's a fact. In this segment. Yeah, in this little segment. Uh, yes. I have one <laughs> of those items today. Um, okay. I was thinking of something because I saw it on a couple of shows, and then I thought of a couple real-life people that this has happened to, and it's really mm-hmm. weird. So in a couple of shows and movies that I've seen, and like I said, a couple mm-hmm. people I know... A person has been given the name of the place that they were conceived. Ew. Oh, no. Right? Like, you've heard of that before, right? You know? Oh, definitely. Yep. And, and, you know, I started thinking about that. Like, you know, a a kid's conceived in Brooklyn. So that kid's name Mm -hmm. is Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yep. That is a horrible, horrible thing to do to your kid. Cause from I agree. Because from then on, anytime they hear their own name, they're gonna think of their parents doing it. Ew. That is making love. That is gross. Yes. Why would you do yep, that that's, to that's your very kid? So, that poor person. So inconsiderate. I'm just saying. So if there's anybody out there that's thinking of that, don't that's a fact. stop it. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. Anyways, just thought of that, Dave. I was thinking of that uh, yesterday, and I was like, it needs to be said. So. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to be heard by all the listeners. Yeah, by all four people out there. You guys have heard it now. Wait, um, Anyways, Dave, we need to thank the people that do listen. And again, I'm sort of still on my new tip here. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm on the switch 'em up right now. The switch 'em up game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna do newcomers again because we we did. All right. We got a whole bunch of newcomers this week. Once again, I'm happy to see these new faces. Nice. It's good stuff. Welcome everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we're gonna start in the southeast. We're gonna start mm-hmm. with Cassetta, Georgia. Cassetta, Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now Cassetta is well known, Dave, uh, for its tallest man-made structure in the world back in 1962. Wait, what? It no longer holds Dang. that. But in 1962, it had the tallest man-made structure in the world, which was the WVTM WRBL WVRK Tower, which was oh, God. 533 meters tall. Yeah. Jeez. But it took less than a year and in 1963, another tower beat it out. So, yeah, only took a year and it beat it out. Sad. Now, there's actually an- another tower now in Cassetta that's taller than that mm-hmm. original tower, the Cassetta Uh-oh. Richland Tower, which is five meters taller. Yeah, yeah. 
suck it. What? Now, in case you're wondering, Dave, the tallest man-made structure in the world right now, any ideas? You know it? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say 1,600 meters. Jeez. Uh, you really doubled that. Uh, I was going I was going for the name of what it was. Oh. If you knew what it, what it was. The Burj Khalifa. The Burj Khalifa in uh, in what Dubai. It's the tallest. Oh, I thought we said in the United States. No, no, oh. no, no. In the in the whole world, the Burj Khalifa, which oh, is I wouldn't I wouldn't even know that the tallest man-made structure, eight hundred and twenty-eight meters. It's up there, Jeez. over a half a mile yeah, tall, man. Over a half a mile big. tall. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy looking, uh, but. Cassetta, Georgia, right on the line of Alabama. Thank you guys for listening. Right beside Columbus, Georgia. Shout out to you guys. Shout out. Okay, okay now we're going to go across the uh, ocean. Going to go over to mm-hmm. Europe. Uh, one, of our, right. one of our favorite countries. Imperia, yes, Italy. Shout out. Yes. Oh. Yes. Italy. I got to say, Dave, I took, a, I took a gander at this place. I'm a big fan. Word. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. It's got yeah. it's got the real just sort of Mediterranean feel to it. Like all the pictures uh, I saw, yes. I was just like, oh yeah. You're only vacation. You're literally only 15 miles away from Monaco. That's pretty awesome. Dang. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Definitely. Apparently, in Imperia, really they're really mm-hmm. big into flowers and olives. It's a big, this is a big exports, which olives not too surprising. Okay. That's pretty. No, that's, that makes sense. Most of the uh, Mediterranean, Spain, Italy, Greece, they all do big in olives. Um, but I gotta say, Dave, like I, I, I can see myself hanging in this place. I mean, little Mediterranean breeze, Sweet. eat some olives, mm-hmm. mild mm-hmm. weather. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Potential can't, can't beat potential it. Potential retirement spot, spot. Write it down. That's what we're we're all right. We're, we may be coming your way, Italy, or just me. I don't know if Dave's coming with me. He probably won't. I don't Possibly. Know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he wants to. He's a he's. B- we'll see what the other listening, what the other listeners' thoughts are. Well, you're you're bigger in Spain. You're a furry love machine there. So you know. You That's may, true. You may stay there. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna skip <laughs> over Spain and actually go to Ovar, Portugal next. Shout out. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Now. I, I can go there. Yeah. Well, I hear if you're a surfer, you can really get down mm-hmm. in Ovar. It's uh, mm. got some really nice waves there on the coast. Uh, now, this sounds weird, Dave, but they also, it looks it looks lovely. Back in 2005, they converted a sewage treatment plant into a park. Mm-hmm. Word. And I've got to say, oh, wow. I want to hang out in the sewage park. Yes! It looks very nice. <laughs> like... They planted all these really big pine trees, and they planted all these nice Mm -hmm. aromatic herbs like lavender Mm -hmm. and rosemary Mm -hmm. and tobacco flowers. Yeah, yeah. I I saw pictures of this park, and I was like, I want to go. I want to go throw some frisbee in that park. That's what I want to do in that park. (laughs) Like, look nice. It looked nice. But shout out to Ovar. Thank you for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Okay, now we're going back. To Italia. We're going back to Italy, man. We're going to Ferrara, Italy. 
Ferrara. Dang, we had a lot of international listeners. We did. We had Italy. we had a lot of newcomers in uh, in in Europe too, in Italy, particular. Yeah. We had yeah. oh, and we had some new ones from India too. We didn't have time to to oh. to shout them out this week, but if you guys listen again next week, I'll shout you out. That's right. Um, there you go. Ferrara is on the other side of Italy, pretty close to Venice. Mm-hmm. About 40 miles from Venice. Now, the the most interesting thing I found about Ferrara is they have a very large Jewish population there. Hmm. And it's oh. it's been present there since the Middle Ages. They've had a contingency of, of Jews. In fact, one of their synagogues has been there since 1485. Jeez. Oh. Wow. And... In 1799, it was the Jewish community of Ferrara that saved the town from being sacked and plundered by the Austrian army. That's right. That's right. Oh, jeez. That's right. There you go. They also have some interesting, like, unique foods to just Ferrara. I was looking at some of them. Look a little wild. Like, they're, they're like, their biggest, like, you know, local dish is a ravioli with butternut squash in it. Oh. Which I was like, "Eh, I mean, I don't mind butternut squash. It's got that sort of rich flavor to it. it You mix it with ricotta and it can't Oh, yeah, I'm sure you could blend it in there. It'd it'd be mean. It'd be a mean-tasting dish. Now, what they said they had... I've had something like that before. What they said they had for Christmas, ooh, that sounded Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. There was a bunch. I, I didn't write it all down. They had all kinds of stuff, though. It was sounding nice. Mm. I might head over there for Christmas. I might, I might, right. I might leave my me- take me with you. I might leave my Mediterranean spot there in Imperia. Go across the country. Won't take me too long. Head over to Ferrara for for Christmas. You know. There you go. Anyway, shout out to Ferrara. Thank you for listening. We are now headed back to the states, Dave, for the last one. We are heading to Anoka, Minnesota. Anoka. Mm. Yeah. On the north side of Minneapolis. It's like uh, about 15 miles north of downtown. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I think of this, and it's weird to think about. I'm guessing all the folks Mm -hmm. up there don't because it's normal, uh, and it's what happens in the world. But the the Mississippi River runs right through the center of their town. Mm. Like... Whoa. Yeah, like you just don't, like, I don't know. I guess it's because I, I wouldn't even thought of it. Yeah, I guess it's because I'm from the southeast and you don't really, I mean, I know the, the Mississippi is the second longest river in the world, but like, I just don't think right. of it up there all the way in Minnesota. Going like Minnesota, you know, no. but it's got hundreds and hundreds of miles of it up in, in Minnesota. Like it wraps all the way around in Minnesota, all over the place. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anoka claims to be. The first city to provide troops to the Union Army in the Civil War. Hmm. Yeah, because apparently the governor of Minnesota was there in Washington when Fort Sumter was bombed, <laughs> and he messaged back to Minnesota and was like, we need troops down here immediately. And they were the first troops <laughs> to show up. There you go. There you go. All right. Also, Anoka... It claims to be the Halloween capital of the world. Say what? Why is that? It hosted one of the first Halloween parades ever back in 1920. Word. And they still host Mm. it today. Hundred year, hundred years this year. I'm. I didn't check. Follow up, Dave. I'm I'm following up, seeing if they're doing 2020. I don't know. Could be off because of COVID. I gotta check. 
right. I'll follow it Do up. It. I'll let you know. They can't miss a hundred, but I'm not promoting it either. <laughs> you can't miss it, but uh, you can miss it. Please do miss it. But you can't miss it. <laughs> right. <laughs> do a virtual Zoom parade. Uh, yes. It, Everyone just walk around your house. Uh, or, or just uh, everybody in cars. Just traffic jam of parades. There you go. Anyways. Hey, hey, wear costume. <laughs> okay. Shout out to everybody. All the new folks. All the folks in Shout Europe. Out. The Southeast. Minnesota. We thank you all. If you listen again next week, newcomers, of course, I'll shout you out. Okay, uh, Dave, we got a couple stories left, so the two that we didn't get to. So first, okay, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember you not having seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, right? Yes. Yes. I have not. Yes. Well, let me warn the listeners, spoiler alert, for a movie that's 26 years old. If you haven't yeah, seen it, don't don't rush to. <laughs> go see if you it. haven't seen it, turn off the show. Put it on. Don't turn it off. Put it on mute for like a minute, and then turn it back on. Um, there you go. So, anyways, Dave, in the movie, the main character is wrongly accused of murder, and he's sentenced to jail, okay. and he spends 19 years in jail. Uh, and mm -hmm. before uh, he escapes at the end of the movie by tunneling himself mm -hmm. out behind the wall of the prison and into the sewage pipes of the prison. And oh, he crawls through okay. the sewage pipes to freedom. Now, mm -hmm. the reason I brought this up is that's almost the exact same tactic that Kai Chang Pan in Jakarta, Indonesia, used to get out of prison there. Wait, what? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes, he used almost the same tactic. Apparently, Kai Chang Pan... 37 years old, was scheduled to be executed. Jeez. Uh, which, mm. you know, that's a down. That's a fact. Um, right. But. I wonder what he did. Well, I'll get Oof. to that, which is which is also a oh. bit off-putting. Um, he tunneled himself out of the jail, through the sewage pipes, mm -hmm. and eventually got out to the street. Uh, mm -hmm. Apparently, he'd been planning his route for six months. He got the tools to tunnel out from an art class that they had in the prison. And uh, he's, wow. he's now on the Indonesian most wanted list. So true. So. Oh, my goodness. So a couple of things here, Dave. First, uh, Kai Chang Pan was scheduled to be executed for smuggling meth in the country. What? Oh, wow. That's it. Smuggling meth into the country. Now, granted, get you killed. The amount of meth he was smuggling in weighed more than a person, but still. Uh, oh my god, I mean, that's so much meth. It's a lot of meth. <laughs> it's a lot of meth, but I mean, still, murder executions. Like, mm. Come on, Indonesia. Mm. It's a little, little extreme. I'm just saying, guys. Right. Maybe, maybe like you know, a double digit uh, prison sentence. Mm. Just saying, you know, maybe that. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. uh, s second, I got to ask, Dave, how many times do you think he threw up in that pipe? Hmm. Like, Oh, man, dude. Like, Well, the thing is, is he probably held it for a while, and then once you go oh. and you like, let it out, oh. it's, just it's just constant. Yeah, I'm guessing there were like three real times of like a yeah. constant stream and then just like dry heaves the rest of the time. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, man, that is... Think about that tonight, listeners. Lastly, so I mean, I know it doesn't change anything as far as the crime, but mm -hmm. can't maybe we not 
kill him since he climbed through a pipe full of <laughs> Like, I mean, just like... Does he earn... He, he, he deserves to live just, I mean, that, just Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, come on. That is... That's dedication right there. You got to... Right. Something. Gives, give him something for that. Anyways, Dave, let's head over to Omaha for another okay. sort of drug story. Word. So... Uh, a 25-year-old man was arrested Friday afternoon in connection with a suspicious package left and found near the Douglas County Courthouse Friday afternoon. Mm. So, Uh-oh. on the surveillance cameras, they have the man mm. taking two boxes out of his back seat, putting them on the sidewalk near the courthouse around 2 p.m., and then driving off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The bomb squad was almost immediately called in. They determined that the boxes were not explosive and contained mm. no explosive devices. Now, mm-hmm. after it was all safe at the courthouse, they went and they hunted down this 25-year-old man. In his car, they found many illegal substances. Word. So, in his car, they oh, found dang. MDMA, so ecstasy. Okay, so Molly, yep. Codeine. Jeez. THC... THC wax, $400,000 in cash. Wow. And 232 pounds of marijuana. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah. 232 pounds. How do you fit that in a car? Jesus. Now, so Dave, after hearing this, it's my suspicion... That this man was far too high to have any idea what was what he was doing with those boxes. That's a fact. There's no criminal yeah. intent <laughs> that he could have had there, and and I gotta. S- well, there could have been some criminal intent, like you know, distributing drugs or like selling drugs. But I gotta say, but not like, like a bomb. I don't understand how they determined that these boxes were meant to be like fake explosives. Did, did they right. just immediately say, like, it was suspicious, and they're like, well, it's got to be a bomb. That's why a person would put a box here. Because, like, they said right. there were no no devices that were meant to be explosive. Like, and even in a fake mm-hmm. bomb, you put something on there, like, you know, you strap a watch to some Frankfurters and make it look like dynamite or something. Like, come on, man. Like, mm-hmm. what, what mm-hmm. did this have? And, I mean, you know... I don't really see the motivation of this dude to make a fake bomb at a courthouse, right? Like, right. you're carrying around 232 pounds of weed. I would think you would want to keep as low a profile as possible. Like, exactly. I just, I don't know. It was confusing. It was a very interesting story and a very amazing amount of weed. Um. Anyways, Dave, are you ready for the second birthday suit? Yes, sir. Okay, 90% on this one. Now, now thinking in retrospect, as far as your New Jersey connection and your mom's love of Bruce Springsteen, I feel like those Mm -hmm. two should be switched now. But we'll see. Anyways. All right. Born on September uh, 23rd, 1930 in Albany, Georgia. He grew up Mm -hmm. not knowing his father and stayed close to his mother. At the age of Mm -hmm. three... He walked into Willie Pittman's Red Wing Cafe. Pittman mm-hmm. himself played boogie woogie music on an old upright boogie piano. Woogie. 
He taught okay. our birthday suit wearer how to play the piano. He took to piano mm -hmm. very fast, but sadly, the age of four, he started losing his sight because of glaucoma. And by the age of seven... Ray Charles. Ray Charles is correct. Yeah. Let's freaking go. Nicely done, Dave. Nicely done. Our birthday suit wearer attended the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind in St. Augustine. That's right. Shout out to St. Aug. Yeah. While there, his teacher, Miss Lawrence, taught him more on the piano, including how to read sheet music in Braille, mm. which is insane, mm. because you've got one hand reading the Braille while the other is playing the piano, right. and then you've got to oh move the sheets. It's crazy, and he's playing Mozart doing that. Uh, wow. Sadly, his mother died when he was 14, and after she died, oh, he quit school, and he moved to Jacksonville. He, uh, that's right, oh. that's right, Duval. He moved. He moved that. to Jacksonville. Yeah, he's. Uh, he played piano for almost nothing in Jacksonville. He played every night at the Ritz Theater, making four dollars a night. Jeez. Woo. Wow. Woo. Even even with inflation, that comes out to like fifty two dollars in today's Dang, money. That's like nothing. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. In 1948, he moved to Seattle started to gain traction and signed with Swing Time Records, but in 1952, he got a bigger deal signing with Atlantic Records. For the next several mm -hmm. years, he wrote hit after hit with Mess Around, Midnight Hour, uh, I've Got a Woman, What I'd Say, Georgia On My Mind, Hit the Road Jack, I Can't Stop Loving You, Crying Time, Boom. He's been nominated for 37 Grammy Awards, won 17 mm. Grammys, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Billy Joel said he was more important to, uh, to music than Elvis Presley. Wow. Frank Sinatra mm -hmm. said he's the only true genius in show business. And Rolling Stone wow. ranked him as the second best singer of all time on their list. Man. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer died in 2004, the same year that the film Ray came out with Jamie Foxx, starring as our birthday mm. suit wearer. Ray yep. Charles. Now. R.I.P. Ray. Now. Legend. I will say, Dave, uh, definitely a legend. I got my Ray Charles shirt. Love wearing it. Genius of Ray Charles. Oh. Um, now, I will say, though, I went back and looked at the Rolling Stones list of the 100 greatest singers. Mm. It's bad. It's not, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, gosh. it's not a good list. I mean, their number one makes sense. I'm not going to argue it, right? Their number one, it's Aretha Franklin. I won't argue. I, 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 Aretha makes mm. sense. Mm. But they have Sam Cooke, yeah. number four. Wait, what? Number four? Mm. Under Elvis Presley? No, 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 no. Incorrect. I'm sorry. Incorrect. They have Smokey right. Robinson number 20. What? No. They have Whitney Houston 34. Definitely wrong. Definitely. They have yeah. they have George Jones, undoubtedly the best singer in country music at 43 and Johnny Cash at 21. I know Johnny Cash Dang. is the better artist, but singer? Mm -hmm. No. No, you need to rewrite what your singer definition is. George Jones was a right. more talented singer. They have Don Henley at 87. Wait, what? No, no, no. Very incorrect. 
They have Steve Perry from Journey at 76. Girl, come on. Mm. That voice is one in a billion, and you've got him at 76? Lame. Come on. The guy that sang Oh Sherry. Oh Sherry. I think we all remember that hit. Such a good song. My God. The, the, The city lights keep on. Don't stop believing. Ow. And you put him at 76? Lame, man. Lame. Lame. <sighs> it's obvious that they created this whole thing not off of singing talents, but they judged it on overall artistry, mm. and I do not agree with mm. it. Horribly done top 100. It was supposedly, de- supposedly voted on by 179 quote-unquote experts. Mm. <laughs> Dave, if you want, I'll, I'll put out another list. I'll put their list to shame. Do it. Doc G list. Do it. It's coming out. Listeners, it's coming out. Get ready for it on Instagram. You hear it. It's coming. It's coming. Otherwise, we got to take a break, Dave. We are going to take a break, and we are going to listen <laughs> to another great singer. We are going to hear the movement with Diamond, and then we will be back with Josh Swain from the movement right here on the Doc G Show.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super lucky to have the lead singer of The Movement, Mr. Josh Swain. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I am doing good considering all things of 2020. Pretty solid. Um, <laughs> yeah. So through, throughout this, uh, this pandemic, this weird 2020, you guys... You guys, since you live in different places, you sort of uh, you sort of laid low as far as the live streams, but you've released a, a couple of singles. Uh, you had a, a Sublime cover that came out about a month ago, and just uh, just a couple weeks ago, you guys release, released Mountain. Uh, yep. Had you guys already recorded those songs before the pandemic, or were those sort of work across the country uh, singles? Uh, well, the uh, the Sublime tune. Um I just did in my in my house. Uh, that was kind of a real low low key, no budget thing that I put together myself. It's actually probably the first song I've actually done that was all done uh, at my house. So that sounds really um, nice, I, man. You know, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I figured that's the way Brad would do it. You know, so <laughs> uh, I went ahead and did it that way. Nice, and man. didn't worry too much about you know mastering or how it would sound and final mixing and all that. Like I barely mixed it at all and just kind of everything is first take on that. So nice. I thought uh, that that would uh, work well with you know the way Brad used to do stuff. So for that sure. was cool for me. For sure. Um, and uh, with Mountain Man, I had written that song on on a ukulele at my house probably three years ago you know wow. and it wasn't finished there was no like real structure to it the the uh lyrics weren't finished or anything like that and last time we were on tour we made like a little demo that uh you know it's basically just a skeleton of mm -hmm. the song and and um didn't know what we were gonna do with it and then it kind of came together like hey man this is like a great song for the times that we're going through right now and let's yeah. let's get it done so we kind of just, you know, uh, Matt Goodwin's up in, in Rochester, New York. I'm down here in Charleston, South Carolina. Gary's in Orlando and Jay's in, in uh, Jersey. And yeah. Johnny Cosmic's on, on the West Coast, you know. And yeah. we um, all just kind of sent files back and forth and went to our prospective places to record new things. And, nice. Uh, and, and did it, um, yeah, that way. Nice, and man. I thought it turned out pretty good. Yeah. yeah for not being in the same room together, you know? For sure. Definitely. I mean, a lot of artists have had to get used to that style of uh, style of writing the last six months, for sure. For sure. I know people do it anyway, even when oh, there yeah. wasn't a pandemic, you know? So, oh, yeah. For sure. Def definitely. Um, well, I noticed also uh, you that you jumped on the, the Cameo site. Uh, you know, to offer like shout outs and personalized messages and that kind of thing. And we had we had Trevor Hall on the show just a couple of weeks ago and I asked him the same thing because he had he had just got on cameo as well. But how 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 have the requests been so far that you've got on that site? So have they have have there been any weird ones that you were like, What? What am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? Or <laughs> been fairly normal? Uh it's pretty interesting. I mean, you know, it, it's weird to be uh I guess on the artist side of things and, yeah. and see where people are coming from as, you know, not just fans, but as people who are maybe, maybe struggling or, mm -hmm. you know, not every, every uh, request is somebody struggling, but there are a lot of those where, you know, Hey, I'm going through a tough time and, uh, you know, I want to reach out there, help this person. And yeah. for me, those are, 
you know, it's great to hear, hey, you know, it's our anniversary or, hey, it's a birthday. Yeah. Those are awesome to even think of us, you know, to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's more kind of heartwarming when you have somebody who's um, you're trying to brighten their day or give them uh, some kind of recognition for something they have done Mm -hmm. uh, where they're maybe not being recognized like they should and uh, so it's really cool, man. I mean, there's a couple avenues that we're going down uh, during this this weird time where, you know, I, I get all these, not just requests, but just kind of um, just people reaching out yeah, and, uh, you know, letting me know what they're going through. And man, it, it's, it's very humbling. It's uh, eye-opening, you know, yeah. and any of the, you know, stupid things that I think I'm going through on a day-to-day <laughs> basis, you know, it's like, man, I can't believe, you know, it's like, oh, man, yeah. I need to really man up and realize, you know, how fortunate I am at this moment. And uh, it's not always going to be that way, but right now I'm very fortunate and, you know, I can at least do my part in, in the brightening these people's day. And I, I have nothing but love for, um, you know, our fans and the people that have reached out and how, uh, you know, amazing they are you yeah know? It, it really makes me strive to be a better person so it's it uh, works both ways 100 percent, man I, I remember a while back we had hi on the show and she told me the story about how like one of her fans reached out and told her that they had been through like four different types of cancer and the only thing that got them through the treatments were her songs and I was like, what? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I was like, you got to put that on a resume or something. That's amazing. Like, right. how, like, <laughs> what do you say back to that? Like, yeah, that's what I wrote those songs for. Like, how, I mean, it's so intense. So definitely, I can only imagine you guys responding to things like that. It's got to be definitely cool. Definitely cool for sure. Well, for the listeners that aren't familiar with the movement, you guys, uh, you've, you've been going for a good while, almost two decades in, in one form or another. Uh, and mm-hmm. You guys started out in one of my old stomping grounds, Columbia, South Carolina, part of Gamecock Nation. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's Fan- right. Fantastic, man. I love, I love Columbia. We have a lot of listeners on the podcast from Columbia. Um, so. Yeah. Let's go Gamecock. Let's see what happens this year. You know? Yeah, I can't wait. Mm, I don't know. I'm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't want to come down on Muschamp, but I'm. I'm cautious. Uh, I'm cautious. You yeah, know? we can all be. Ca- but you know what? I'm just still looking forward to it. I don't care what happens. You know, I just can't wait. You know, for oh the yeah, first kickoff, and and I can't. And I'm so glad that that we're going through with the season because you know I look forward to it, man. And oh yeah, and I'm such a, a big Gamecock fan that. Uh, man, I just, uh, I'm so excited. I, I'm just really glad that it, that it's supposedly happening so far. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, man. We'll see, we'll see how they right. do. I, I don't know if we'll get any, any Spurrier 11 win type season or not this <laughs> year, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So it's a weird year. You never know. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like in basketball, you got, you got Denver going to the, the conference finals and right. you got, you got, uh, the heat making it to the conference for winning the first game. And I'm just like, what, what if the heat and yeah. Denver made it to the finals? That'd be such a yeah. weird, like everybody would just be like, who, why, huh? Yep. Those teams, mm-hmm. but who knows? It could happen to South Carolina in football too. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, so, so I heard your, your parents, uh, bought your first guitar. 
bought you your first guitar, and they're very supportive yep. parents uh, in general as far as music goes. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as an artist, what do you think made you want to get a guitar? Was it Had you already got into Bob Marley at that time, or was it just an interest in music overall that made you say, yeah, guitar would be good? Or was it just a surprise present? You know, I, my, my parents were... Uh, you know they they loved music. You know mm-hmm. they're into like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and nice. uh, uh, the Beatles. My mom was a super Beatles fan, mm-hmm. and I remember you know being young and 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 singing Beatles songs. I've I've been a Beatles fan for a long time. Zeppelin, yeah. and you know my mom would bought me a first month uh, like my first Zeppelin CD and nice. all that kind of stuff. And you know neither of them really really played music my mom played a little bit of guitar she knew a few chords and you know i think it i started to idolize musicians more than anyone else yeah and you know back in the day i'd want to be this or i'd want to be that and then i kind of realized you know this is something that uh, appeals to me and Mm -hmm. uh, i'd want to try to be a guitar player you know i didn't even really sing back back when i first got a guitar but yeah uh yeah i mean they um super supportive man they uh bought me an an electric guitar actually no i think it was an acoustic first and Mm. then an an electric maybe the next year nice and uh my mom taught me my first couple chords i think she taught me uh blowing in the wind uh, was my first song nice (laughs) and uh you know taught me how to tune a guitar you know and and how to kind of she wrote down the lyrics and wrote the chords over top of the lyrics so I could follow along. And nice. that was really kind of what got me into it. And since then, I'm like, Mom, why don't you write songs? You know, why don't you? And she's like, <laughs> oh, come on. I can't, I can't do that. You know, but she was a great, like, finger picker in her own right. And, nice. Uh, she'll say she's not, but I, I think <laughs> she is. And so they don't really play music. I mean, she, she hadn't picked up a guitar in probably 20 years, you know, yeah. but they... Uh, you know, she got me started. They bought me the guitars, and and then I went on to went you know playing a band in high school. And then when I went to uh, my first year at USC, I majored in classical guitar. Ooh. And uh, she bought me my first classical guitar. Which nice. when I went there, I didn't even know what a classical guitar was. <laughs> I had no idea that you could play Beethoven on the guitar. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. And I failed miserably, you know, <laughs> that first year because I was just into, you know, partying and listening to reggae. And, yeah. And classical music had no uh, part in that. So, um, but, you know, and as I went along uh, in my kind of educational uh, couple years there, I, you know, ended up getting kicked out of USC for um, getting in trouble and then I went to tech for a while and then I uh, ended up going and graduating from um, Full Sail, uh, Full Sail in yeah. Orlando and um, it, they were the ones you know they they paid for that you know and it's not paid for yet I'm paying for it now but <laughs> they're the ones that uh, that started me on that tra- track and and um, and what I would say for that is that they always gave me a backup, nice. you know, so that I could uh, take risks in my life um, 
that I could be free to explore without the worry of, oh, am I going to go broke? Am I going to, yeah. you know, be homeless? Da, da, da. I always had a, a, a place to come home to. Even, you know, when my parents got divorced, you know, my mom kept the same house and she still got it today. And that's the house I grew up in in Columbia since I was five. And nice. that house is still there. And, you know, it's still, a, a, it's still there, oh, you know, yeah. no matter what I do. Uh, I, I, I've been free my whole life to take risks uh, because of them. Nice. And uh, without that that level of uh, support and that knowledge that no matter what happens, I'll be all right. Yeah. Then I don't know that I would have taken the risk, you know, to be as broke as I've always been, <laughs> uh, as homeless as I've always been, you know, living yeah. on the road and sleeping on couches and getting kicked out of this and going sure. there and doing that and moving here and. Yeah, uh, all of the things that led up to to what I am today just wouldn't have been possible without that, you know. And I've always had a great sister too that's always been there for me too. So nice, family is huge, and I consider myself lucky. Very nice, very nice. Well, talking about those those Columbia roots, real quick. I, I know you and you and Jordan, uh, the other the founding members of uh, of the movement there, uh, played soccer uh, in high school at yep. Irmo. And mm-hmm. I noticed that, that was that was during a time of a bunch of uh, state titles. Did you did you win a state title playing soccer there? We won every year that I went to middle school and high school. We won. Wow! A state wow! So I got six six in a row. And basically, <laughs> when you left, they fell off, man. It was it was all they did. It was all because of you. That was it, man. It was just me. <laughs> <laughs> So I was I was so lucky to grow up uh, in in that sports arena of just great players and a great coach and Phil Savitz. Yeah, uh, and Coach Savitz is one of the greatest men I've ever met, and he's still nice. to this day. But he he led that that school to many state championships, yeah. and I was lucky enough to be a part of six of those. Man, in uh, uh, yeah, I mean. Morgan. I ended up breaking my foot in my senior year and mm. uh, only played a few games, you know. But um, for me, that was such a huge part of my uh, life as a, as a young adult growing up and being um, under Coach Savitz's wing. And then a lot of those guys, you know, are still my best friends today yeah. um, that I met in soccer. And, and that was a lot of the reason why I got into drugs and music is through those guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we were, cra- we were crazy. I mean, there's guys that were, you know, tripping on acid while we're playing our state championship <laughs> game. So it was a crazy world we're, we're living in. I was about to say more good family, but uh, I guess in some ways yeah. more good family. Uh, in some ways, not such a good influence. But um, yeah, but I mean, it's funny because everything leads down to the, the path, you know. Yeah, every every single little part of it and uh, leads you to where you are. You yeah, know, so. yeah, yeah, for I'm, sure, for sure. Well, like like you mentioned, you eventually got to full cell, and and you did. Uh, you were a recording engineer major there, and mm-hmm. you know, you're not like you, you don't seem like a behind the scenes manipulate the small variables type guy like we were just talking about with that sublime song like you know that's you know did you ever have a desire to record other people or when you went down there was it just like okay maybe i can find some ways to better record myself uh you know when i when i went to full sail the movement really hadn't started yet um so i just wanted to kind of have like 
something tangible, you know, mm. that a, a trade that was yeah. a trade besides playing guitar and being homeless. Uh, <laughs> For sure. I just wanted something to, you know, and I was still lost at that point. I think I was 21, 20 years old, something like that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, my parents, like I said, helped me kind of figure that path out. And I had found this cool spot. And yeah. Uh, my mom had lived in Orlando for a while. And, and basically what I thought is, hey, you know, there's such a slim chance that I'll ever make it in, in music that at least I can be, uh, I can learn how to record. And yeah, and, and at USC, I'd been, uh, I was interested in recording. I had a, a four track tape machine and nice. I and, and a microphone. And I loved uh, doing that kind of stuff, a, a drum machine and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would record all that and, and so I was interested in it for sure. And But what happened was when I went to Full Sail, I ended up kind of scraping by the skin of my teeth, you know, skipping school a lot and going down to the beach and uh, drinking a lot and doing a lot of other things and ended up kind of, you know, looking at it and going, yeah, you're, as you said, I don't, you know, I don't want to be on that side of it. You yeah. Know, I want to be on the other side of it, the, the, uh, the Perfect. person that's being recorded and yeah. i don't need to worry about little tedious things of how it actually gets done and if i could change it i probably would have um, done it another way and really learned that trade because it would have helped me out a lot now oh, yeah. and the thing that i find now is that you know when i try to do all that mixing and um and making it you know turning a song into uh, something that's actually listenable. Um, it's really hard for me. The options that there are, especially yeah. nowadays, you know, 20 years later, uh, with, the, you know, if you can put Pro tools one and, yeah. of a thousand different effects on your voice, which one do you choose? I don't know. I'm not all about that. You know, yeah. all, all I really want to do is sing it, let somebody else kind of choose what they think sounds best, and then I'll, I'll you know, uh, approve it, I guess you could <laughs> say. And go, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd much rather be on the other side. For sure, for sure. Well, you, you like you said, after you got out of Full Sail, uh, you did sort of form, solidify uh, the movement uh, with uh, with the three piece, and you guys released on your feet way back in two thousand four. And obviously, you guys have changed a ton now. I mean, you know, complete different band now complete different mindset completely different living like what do you think when you hear a track from that album i mean obviously i would say you probably don't go back and listen to it too often but it's still out there spotify and everything else what do you what do you think right. when you hear those it's really funny that you asked that because i haven't listened to on your feet in in a really really long years yeah probably. i might have heard a song or two from it or whatever but yeah uh I think it was yesterday or even the day before I was doing a bunch of yard work, doing some housework, mm -hmm. and, I, and I just put on the movement, uh, like shuffle, you know, uh -huh. so on Spotify, so it would shuffle through all the all the albums. And yeah. I started listening to it, man, and I was like, I was kind of liking it, you know? Um, <laughs> normally, I'm, I'm really embarrassed of that time, you know, because yeah. uh, we were just a mess you know <laughs> personally mentally you know as people we were just really trying to find our way and um and we it, it's kind of been our mo even up to this point where we don't really you know we're not really too we don't care all that much you yeah know, we're, we're just kind of trying to go with the flow right mm -hmm. so 
when it comes to those records, man, it really all it is, is and it's indicative of the time, you know, mm-hmm. where we were as people during that time. And yeah, I can get embarrassed. I know the production isn't great, and and uh, like my, you know, me rapping when I listen to it, I'm just so embarrassed about <laughs> you know my rap. And, uh, but you know, there's a lot of times where I'm like really impressed with Jordan stuff, you know, and yeah. then I'm impressed with like the chord changes that we did. And like, and you know, on your feet was recorded in 24 hours, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that was just such a, we just went in there. We had like, I don't know, 300 bucks, you know, we're like, here you go. Like how quick can we get this done <laughs> for what it is? I can look back on it and laugh, but I also know that like there's a lot of our fan base that really treasures that record, yeah. and that was the start of everything. and And uh, it just makes me kind of reflect as yeah. like an older man now, like you know, I'm just like wow, like that's crazy how far we've come, and and even to still enjoy it at some moments, like I did the other day when I was listening to it. It's like still crazy that I can still enjoy it. Oh, so. Yeah. I'm proud of everything we've done, man. You know, definitely. Regardless of like, you know, I wish we would have done it this way. I'm sure every band looks back at their old records and kind of says, you know, whatever. So it is what it is. Nice, nice. Well, you guys after that were touring like crazy for years, and you went you went up to Philadelphia, and that's where you actually brought in uh bass and drums that's where you actually got live mm-hmm. bass and drums and and up until that point you guys had done loops and tracks and never really live and bass yeah. which is sort of wild because you know whenever your music is described that's one of the things i almost always see is bass and drum heavy and i mean obviously right. you can make bass and drum heavy without uh without a live bass and drum but had you For ever sure. thought up to that point like we need a bassist or a drummer or was that something that once you went up there started working with the uh with the new sort of group there that you were like yeah this this is what we need well you, you got to realize we toured uh from 2004 to 2008 yeah. uh extensively yeah. uh, up and down the east coast just uh, you know i think we did over 300 days a lot of those years wow um so we were on the road and we were playing for no one <laughs> you know, no one knew who we were. Uh, a lot of times we'd just be playing for the bartender and um, making zero. And they look you know, slightly no money. annoyed too. Oh, God, they're still yeah, out they're there playing. Yeah, they're super annoyed. We were in, <laughs> and, 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 you know, we didn't have a sound guy. So we'd have some, you know, guy who didn't like us or yeah. didn't like our music running our sound. So mm-hmm. it sounds terrible. And mm-hmm. um, we're in these bars just getting loaded every single night and just trying to, you know, that was before even like, uh, like um, you could get like maps on your phone. You know, we had like a big map, that, <laughs> like a paper map, you yeah. know, so we're just, <laughs> you know, drunk and high and looking at a paper map and trying to find getting the next lost. show and getting yeah. there and realizing <laughs> they all hate us and there's nobody paid to come see us and <laughs> it was a hard hard life you know uh but the thing was is a lot of the times we would get hated on because there was no drummer basis you know yeah. and um these sound guys didn't understand it a lot of them are old heads you yeah know, a lot of guys from classic rock era or heavy say. metal you know that just hate you because you don't have a drummer you know <laughs> which which and is a totally reasonable thing to hate a person for what absolutely. no drummer 
get out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, and we heard that every day, every day, you know. And <laughs> so it was hardcore, man. We suffered a lot, but we still had a good time. But we realized, look, you know, we got to get a petrol in the face. It's like, yeah. we're, we're not going to be taken seriously. And if I look back at it now, it's like, I think we actually would have made it sooner had we stuck with the original thing when you come across like EDM, you know, and the yeah. rise of like uh, DJs and stuff like that. We could have maybe, you know, been selling out 100,000 people, you know, ahead the of the world. curve. Yeah. Right, exactly. Been one of the first people to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of funny like that, but we just couldn't get any respect, you know. And, yeah. and uh, I'm surprised how well we did actually in Colombia, being being that we were, you know, a three. And even before we got a DJ, it was just us two. And I would go turn around and uh, hit play on the four track, mm. you know, and I'd play a tape, you yeah. know, and that's how <laughs> we would play our music. So yeah, we we knew. You know, we got to get a drummer, got to get a bassist. Nice. Otherwise, the thing is like, and plus our DJ was like going insane. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he was, he was the adult, you know. And, oh, man. And we were just driving him crazy. So <laughs> it was like time. Well, yeah. well. Speaking of uh, of driving, uh, driving insane. There, you you all that touring, the three hundred days a year shows and whatnot. Uh, Two thousand ten, you just sort of got too burnout. You you too much partying, too much everything, too much frustration, and you you quit the band, um, and you moved out to Denver, uh, and I heard I heard yep. you were working at at Target in a sub place, which yep. sounds weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, like being a guy, like you you said, just like growing up with music and everything like that, and just being so dedicated. When you quit the band. Did you have like any idea what you were going to do or was it just like you were like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And then it was like, oh, now what do I do? Yeah, it was uh, kind of that feeling. It was, um, you know, I got into some trouble with the law on tour mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, had some circumstances where it was just craziness, you know, and I, and I was like looking at jail time and didn't know what was going on and i was so so burnt out from yeah. touring and you know i didn't like the kind of direction we were going musically and mm -hmm. yeah i was just it was like this kind of perfect storm of me being set up mm -hmm. and and plus you know i was like i was not a normal person you know i was like <laughs> a severe alcoholic and really really in trouble with that you For know sure. what i mean and and i you know having to drink you know every morning and drink all day and all night and just to like get by was not cool and and something needed to change and i had a great friend that i met at full sail who um, we had had like a little romanticism go on there that ended uh -huh. up in 2010 uh she ended up we like reconnected you know mm -hmm. and she lived in Denver and like we met up and kind of clicked and, and, you know, I kind of used all of these circumstances as an out to get out of this thing. And, and yeah. to be honest, at the moment, at that point, I was really happy to be out of the band and I could finally breathe for yeah. the first time in a really long time. Uh, now the reality of that sets in when you realize that like, look, for me, that was how I defined myself. Yeah. Uh, not, 
anymore necessarily as a musician, but as a member of the movement, you know, you do that for six years, seven, whatever, how long it was. And you start to identify that that's who you are and that's the path you need to take. And when I was no longer on that path, it was very, very weird. You know, I tried to do some solo stuff, recordings at my house, mm-hmm. and I was working with Chris D, who did uh, Set Sail, yeah. and um, try, trying to put together a solo record and stuff. But all these things were kind of pipe dreams, because I was I was not a driven individual at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just floating by and seeing what I could uh, kind of um, steal from life and not actually give to to life you know did you ever think about uh, getting sober when when you left the band were you trying to get sober at that time no not at that point not at all you know there wasn't really a thought of that yet i don't think things that you know when you look at it at somebody's bottom you know it's like you could identify it as that should have been it you know but for me that wasn't that wasn't it at all and i still had a lot of uh, partying to do, and, <laughs> well, which, which definitely of, slowed uh, down that motivation for sure. As far as the the artist, right? Work. I mean, when you, yeah, I mean, you have to when you have to concentrate on one thing all day mm-hmm. uh, just to maintain, then you can't concentrate on anything else. So yeah. it's very uh, frustrating in hindsight. You know, it's like, dude, look, look what you, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it all kind of comes back to the story of how you got here, right? Yeah. So, um, without all that kind of stuff, it's like, would I be in the same spot now? You know, yeah. would things be different? So, yeah. uh, when you look at it from, Hey, right now I am where I am. It's like all those things make sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, living there in Denver, I had a blast and a horrible time all at the same <laughs> time. And, and, I, you know, I, I need to apologize to anybody that I let down and, and the people that I, um you know made their lives miserable while i was there too but um yeah but it's like i said it's all part of the story and yeah i worked at target oh it was awful i worked (laughs) worked two jobs and and i had to walk you know yeah because i didn't have a car at the time and man it was brutal man it sucked Well, so during that time, at the, well, sort of the end of that hiatus, uh, the movement released uh, an album, One More Night. Mm-hmm. Like, did you did you keep in touch with the guys when you left? It, like, did you know they were going to release an album? And then when they did, it, like, how did how did that feel being out of the band? Um, so I was pretty much cut up. Like, I you know, just said bye, you know, I, yeah. I think I gave Jay, Jay, my guitar. I was like, you can have all this stuff. I said, I don't want any money from any of the albums that are already out. Mm-hmm. I don't want any part of it. And yeah. Be, and that was more of not like, Oh, I hate you guys. That was more of like respect for you guys. Yeah. Like, just make it you easier. Know, you guys take this. Yeah, yeah. Y'all just take it, you know? And at that point we didn't have like great management or anything. There's no like, contracts you know just like y'all just take it on do what you gotta do you yeah bye yeah know? and they're probably like bye because <laughs> it's like you're a nightmare you know yeah and, and we were all nightmares in our own respect but thank god for you know jordan and jay and gary for holding that band together they um got a guy johnny to play keys and um and it was like right away they're like back on you know yeah. and for me 
uh, I did, like I said, I didn't have contact really with them. We didn't like call each other and how's it going? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm doing my own thing. Y'all really remember how, or if I knew like when an album was dropping yeah. for the movement. I didn't really, yeah. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't focused on that at all anymore. Man. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm glad that it, that it happened that way that they, I know that they had a lot of turmoil during that time when I was gone, but yeah. I'm glad that, uh, that they kept it going. Uh, not many bands survive yeah. if you were just to hang it up, you know, yeah. for however long, then try to come back. But, for sure. uh, they also did really well. I mean, they, you know, they started, uh, you know, having bigger numbers and stuff like that. So they did, they did good. I'm proud of them for that. Well, and essentially, you know, at the end of that time, and I mean, what brought you back to the band was, was Jordan sort of, did the same thing he just got burnt out and didn't want to be in the band anymore and you know the the rest of the band turned to you and was like hey can can you come back what 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 made you decide like okay yeah i'll come back well they had uh called me when jordan was quitting i think they were in the middle of a tour Mm -hmm. had some big shows coming up and you know Jordan was going through the same thing that I that I had gone through, you know. And yeah. We had gone through all of that addiction and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff together, and the hardship of uh, creating a band from scratch, from mm-hmm. nothing. And uh, so we were a lot on the same page, and I understood where he was coming from when he was so burnt. You know, he'd yeah. done two more years than I'd done. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I ended up calling him and asking him if he if he would stay. Mm-hmm. finish the tour yeah just stay with the guys stay do you know trying to talk him into it and i can't paraphrase so i don't really remember <laughs> the conversation but it was it was dude i'm done yeah yeah and i and i was like i hear you yeah and that was that i think i think they ended up canceling the tour halfway through or something and mm-hmm. uh jay and gary man they they they're the ones like they're the rock when you really think about yeah. the story of the movement who uh, were the guys that kept the band together. And yeah. I just, I'll never, you know, forget that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is what, that's the whole story is how it, it kept going. Cause maybe it would have stopped right there, you know, but they ended up calling me. And when I was in the band, we had done this gig for a secret out in um, Ocean City, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And it was like such a blass. Like, they would put you up in this uh, little apartment right next to the venue mm-hmm. for like three days, pay you an astronomical amount of money <laughs> and free booze, free everything. And you live there and you just party all day and play at night. Nice. And just a three, three day wacky yeah. adventure. Right. So for sure. That they, they had gotten like an, an offer to do that. And they said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? Just one weekend. Just one weekend. That's it. Oh, they sucked you, know, you we'll back in for the, the, the yeah. shallow end. Yeah, come on. Just in. Just yeah. two feet. Put the we'll two feet just, in. We'll make, you know, put a grand in our pocket or however much it was. And we'll have a good weekend. That'll be that. Yeah. Said, okay. You know, but that, that's that. You know, yeah. and, and I didn't even have an electric guitar at that point. Um, I had to go out and buy an amp and buy a guitar. I had to relearn all the songs. Man. And uh, we had never played as a three-piece, you know, with yeah. drum and bass and guitar. Yeah. And so I went out there and we all met out there. We didn't even rehearse, you know. Just <laughs> went out and, uh, and I had a great time. It was awful. I think I 
you know, there's still some videos online of the, that day or those three days, you know, but it was, I didn't think it sounded that great, you know, but we tried and yeah, we had a great time. And, uh, I think it was like one more weekend of secrets. Like, Oh, they want us back in two, three weeks or I can't remember really yeah. what it was, but it was like, well, I'll do that again. You know, and then <laughs> it really didn't take too long before I realized like, look, this I'm, is so much better than what I'm doing right now. And yeah. And uh, you know, we have a chance to keep something going. And then we decided to go to Jay's brother's house in San Diego and record side by side. Nice. Well, yeah, and that's kind of that kind of started the whole yeah next uh next phase next level yeah but yeah once you got back in the band uh you had a couple of years there and and eventually you you got sober before you guys uh wrote golden before you put out the album golden uh you, you got sober and, I, and i've heard you talk about it before in an interview as far as you, you saying that was like sort of the first album of like honest writing and you know right. Uh, what did it feel like being completely sober on an album for really like the first time when you did Golden? Well, so when we did Side by Side at, at Jay's brother's house, a studio-ish mm -hmm. kind of thing, um, yeah, I was drinking like a bottle of vodka like every day, though, you know, and even when Mark from G-Love came out to do Keys, yeah. uh, I didn't even say hi to him. I was in, in my room the whole, the whole day. Wow. Um, and, you know, I listen to that record and I hear what happened, you know, mm -hmm. I was just out of it, you know, and the mm -hmm. vocals sound terrible and, and people love that record and I do as well for certain aspects, but it's such a, a low, a low point, you yeah. know, where I, I hear it in myself. Right. So, sure. um, we toured off, you know, that record for a long time too. And then it got to the point where, you know, a lot of people have been telling me, you know, you need to, you need to go to rehab for a long time, right? Yeah. And I ended up going to rehab, and I think we took two months off, mm -hmm. and I went for a month mm -hmm. out in Tennessee, and, and I uh, got clean and got out, and I think our next tour after that was Pepper Tour. Yeah. And that's like going from, you know, the safest spot ever to the most <laughs> dangerous, you know, for sure. party in this spot you could go, right? Yeah. So, but I managed to do that, and... I remember like the first sober show was uh uh was actually not so hard and wow. i had like a really good support system and um a great girl that i had met on the road and we nice. ended up getting together and she really helped me through a lot of that stuff and she's like 99 percent sober she's one of those people that you know just drinks wine need and then forgets about yeah. it and yeah yeah but doesn't need anything to, to feel all right you know yeah. and um, so she really helped me through and, and then, you know, the guys in the band were so supportive and, nice. uh, we're really there to say, look, you know, this is, it's a new chapter. And, uh, before that we had linked up with Root Fire and Seth Herman mm -hmm. and Reed Foster and, uh, all the guys uh, that really kind of made this all possible. We got the real company together. You know, yeah. I started, I started Swain Sound LLC, which is, uh, the company, you know, the movement's company basically. Yeah. And we, um, got it together for the first time ever. Nice. And, uh, went into the studio and Reed had, or Seth, I can't remember who it was. It suggested Danny Calb, who would work with Beck and, uh, a couple, you know, huge artists, Grammy Nelson. artists. Yeah. Well, yep. 
And, uh, yeah, we went to uh, um, White Star Sound in Virginia. Very cool place out we, there in Char- around oh, Charlottesville. Man. It's nice. Oh, yeah. It's, nice. it's so awesome. It's so cool. And uh, we did a lot of um, Waste of the World there as well. But Nice. Yeah, went there, and, you know, it was a different atmosphere. Nobody was drinking. Nobody was, uh, you know, cutting up too much. And yeah. Uh, we just buckled down. We had Matt Goodwin come out, who is just such a great guy. One of the things about about uh, Secrets in Ocean City is Matt Goodwin had come out there to, to play his first show ever with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed a keyboardist. We realized that the three-piece wasn't working for these shows, and he had come out there, and, and we just got hammered. He, he, he had never... He's not like a huge drinker, you know? Yeah. He wasn't really... Or a smoker, either. You know, he's a pretty clean dude, and yeah. um, and very dedicated to his craft. And he, you know, uh, played with Easy Star All Stars and John Brown's Body and Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad, and uh, <laughs> these are all our idols. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and he had come out for a Secrets weekend, and <laughs> I think our it was a three day thing. And uh, the second show, we actually got kicked off the stage, and <laughs> we're banned banned from Secrets for life. <laughs> um, so that was his first experience with us. And he actually stayed. <laughs> how 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 got, does that happen? You know, it, it wasn't like he stayed because we didn't see him for a little bit after <laughs> that. But he came, he came back for the recording of Golden and him and Danny Cow between those two guys, just musical geniuses. And and uh, of course, you know Jay Gary and I, yeah. um, we put together a record as a sober unit, as a thinking unit, as a yeah contemplating deep diving kind of crew uh we went there and recorded what i think is our you know the movement's first real record in my opinion yeah uh, and that's when i think uh, everything started to take off with the fact that we had root fire behind us we were all sober and that's yeah the first time where i started to go you know what maybe this thing could work they de- i mean you know it definitely you look at it and it's it's sort of been exponential since that time as far as you know, uh, listeners on streaming and uh, and right. and your collaborations. You, you guys have such amazing collaborations now, and, and Stick Figure and Collie Buds and all of these uh, these great artists. Like you said, sort of uh, you know big big members of the uh, of the community of sort of that that reggae mm-hmm. hip hop community. And uh, it's definitely it, it's definitely taken off. Been impressive to watch since that album. Um, so. Yeah. So the most recent album, Ways of the World, you had uh, you had Johnny Cosmic uh, produce, who who's with you know Stick Figure. He plays with Stick Figure, and uh, produces a lot of their stuff. Produces K Bong stuff. Um, obviously, he adds something to the process that y- you like as far as his his uh, work. Uh, what do you, what do you like about his recording process and his producing process? Well, I'll say one of the, the main things uh, about Ways of the World was, you know, we toured after Golden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Goodwin wasn't really ready to jump in the boat with a bunch of... Uh, <laughs> we're still crazy. You know? Yeah. We're still crazy. Crazy sober, sober people now. Still, uh, yeah. 
Right. <laughs> and uh, that's still maybe not even as much fun as crazy yeah, drunk I was about to say, know, so. at least you can right. sort of just confuse some drunk people <laughs> and, you know, leave right. and they'll go about their ways. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, still not making any money and uh, touring was still definitely hard. And, yeah. um, you know, luckily we uh, were so lucky enough to to get ross bogan who's a uh, columbia charleston guy mm-hmm. who uh we had seen uh he was playing with another band at a show or something i can't remember what it was but you know we had talked to him at a show and and us being from the same spot um we were kind of able to i was able to you know show him some songs and we were kind of able to link up mm-hmm. through kind of south Carolina stuff and you know he toured with us for a couple of years mm-hmm. and god you know oh, i'm so sorry for that guy because he had to <laughs> deal with you know and we went through a couple other keyboards too but ross was really the one that um he's probably the funniest guy i've ever met and nice. one of the most talented uh pianists and keyboards i've ever met too and uh he wrote a lot of the rhythms for um ways of the world he nice. was kind of one of the guys in the van you know we'd be driving he'd be on his computer and have a little uh you know mpk mini keyboard mm-hmm. and you know um writing tunes on i can't remember what what program he was using but man uh you know he'd go hey here's a song yeah you know or or he'd go you know what kind of song are you looking for and i go well here's the song I like, check out this Damien Marley song. Yeah. Like, this is a cool one. Try to get this vibe here, you know? I yeah. Think that's how Siren came out. Nice. Um, and I was like, you know, do this. And then he'd show it to me. I go, well, add, add some of this or he, he'd just blow it away by himself, you know? And he was really kind of the catalyst behind, uh, the majority of the songs on ways of the world. Nice. Uh, in terms of actually having some, something concrete to, yeah. uh, go on. And then we all went back to White Star, and um, Danny Cal was the greatest thing that ever happened to us at the time. And yeah, I felt like you know uh, there was a little something lacking from Golden, uh, just in terms of like I wanted I wanted it to sound like a Tupac record, but like <laughs> reggae, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I had ended up um, being in the uh, stick figure bus. Uh, with Johnny at one point, and we did a did some some song. Can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but I watched just how quick he was and how uh, we had gelled together so quickly in terms of like, here's what I want to do. Okay, you ready? Go do yeah. that take. All right, that takes done. How about this on this part? Go a little higher there and do this part a little bit like this. Okay, go. Nice. That part's done. All right, <laughs> now you ready? Or do this again do that again yeah. again 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 <laughs> again you know so i'll cut takes like that and then you know within 45 minutes all the takes were done yeah and then it was just up to him with his you know masterful uh, ability to edit yeah uh so quickly and and precisely and, and actually to understand what it is that i'm looking for in the first place yeah uh, it was like a no-brainer, and when I saw him do that song, I was like, "That's the guy I want." Plus, he was like, I don't know, thirty thousand dollars cheaper or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so much now, but uh, you know, Danny did something with Golden that can't be matched. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Johnny did something that can't be matched with Ways of the World. So there's no one that's better than the other, but it's uh, d- just different vibes and yeah. 
what, um, what you're going with at the time. Yeah. What, what, what feels right. right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And then, and we went back to white star and Ross was with us and Ross, you know, helped us crush, crush that record out. And then we did a couple edits and, uh, Goodwin hopped on for a song and we had, you know, some great guest artists and stuff like that. And, uh, that's, you know, by far the, the record that I'm most proud of today. So. For sure, man. I mean, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's tearing up the streams relative to, to, to the other albums. I mean, especially for the time that it's been out, right. uh, people mm-hmm. are really taken, I mean, to, you know, take me to the ocean diamond all of those five million streams over it's uh it's definitely uh it's definitely a killer album altogether when you when you go all the way through it for sure well i got two two questions left one uh obviously you guys have been off the road for six months like everybody else and uh, like we talked about you guys put together uh mountain um have you have you been working on other stuff? Have you decided that you want to like you know try another uh, project since you guys can't get out there on the road, or you just sort of you know what what comes at you you'll 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 write every now and then. Yeah, so we've got about you know a good records worth of material. Wow. Um, we're working on singles with Johnny and and Matt. Nice. And uh, of course, Gary and Jay, you know, putting in uh, putting in work and nice. Um, it's slow going though, you know. It's just it, I don't really feel that we're in too much of a rush. We like a, like you said, you know, we just put out this one single and yeah, that's doing well. And sure. very proud of that one. Super, uh, uh, just completely blown away that Clinton Fearon would even be on a song with us. So yeah, very proud of that one. Reggae legend um, right there with the gladiators. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So we're very happy with that. We, we've got a bunch of tunes in the works and I think the next step, we've already had a big conference call with everybody uh, about getting into the studio um, and just, uh, you know, doing another record. Awesome. Things are kind of just slow going when you're, when you're so far away from everybody. And for sure. Um, so we're researching studios I'm not sure that we're going to go back to White Star. We'll probably um, find a different one somewhere up in the mountains, somewhere, and nice. Um, and go ahead and uh, and get to work on that. And you know, if we we have a good solid week in the studio, that's probably all we'll need to really um, yeah to get the the foundation down for for what a, a record is, and then we can work from home uh, on edits. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well. Last last one, nothing to do with music. Like you said, you're you're currently in Charleston. We've had a lot of great artists from Charleston, but it's also a great food town. And I wanted to ask, if I were coming to Charleston and I called you up and I was like, Josh, coming to Charleston, I need the best restaurant in your opinion. What are you telling me? Where where are you telling me to go in Charleston? So I'm pretty pretty vegetarian. Okay. Uh, I would say uh uh, mainly vegetarian try to be as vegan as possible uh-huh. um you know when i wasn't um there there's so many more options when yeah you're not trying to do for that. sure it's a lot uh, it's a lot easier love, yeah. right uh well the one that we love um for the past few years has been glass onion it's all oh, 17 yeah. in West ashley I've I've heard and, of it. I've uh, never they eaten the, there. Yeah, it's so good, man. They've got um they they have uh you know meat options as well, but they have these killer fried green tomatoes with Ooh. pimento cheese and uh oh. and um uh, uh boiled peanuts. 
Man, and, Southern you know, classics. All, it's like, man, it's just so good, and it's cheap. Those are like you know little appetizers, so you yeah. can go in there and spend twenty bucks and and get full for sure with two people. Nice. And uh, and then they also have like their specials, which are crazy yeah. concoctions. They don't always have the same menu. It's different. Nice. And, the atmosphere is really cool, and, and the staff there is great. So glass onion would be that's, my, my choice. Man, that's a good one. That is a good one. I like yeah. it, man. Well, Josh, yeah. we are up against a break, man, but I want to thank you for taking so much time to talk to us today. It's been fantastic. Yeah, no worries. I will say, man, that this has probably been one of the best interviews I've ever had. You you uh, asked all the right questions, <laughs> and it's kind of cool like going back through the history because not every interview is like this. you know. So for I really sure. appreciate it. Uh, your your work on that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I, I thank the listeners. Thank you as well for being on the show, man. It's been great. Uh, listeners, yeah. you can check out all things The Movement at their website, themovementvibe.com, or on Instagram, Movement Vibe. Right now, let's take a listen to that newest single, Mountain, right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, The Movement, with that new single, Mountain, right there. Nice, Boom. man. Can't thank Love it. Josh enough for coming on the show. Just oh, sir. such an interesting life, such a good time going down memory lane, man, thinking about Columbia. Hadn't been back in a while, just thinking in my head of all those spots. I was like, oh, man. I remember those oh, spots. Yeah. I remember. I remember going by. A lot of by debauchery there. A little bit. Huh? <laughs> a little bit, Dave. Not gonna lie. What? Oh man! But the Glass Onion. I haven't been there. I need to go. Yes. I need to go. Yes. Uh, we were just looking at that menu yes, during we the song. Do. Ooh. Ooh. You kidding? That 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 country fried steak. You better believe I'm Calling in the country fried che- steak. Oh my gosh. It's got me so excited, I can't even say steak. Oh, catfish. Little fried green tomatoes. Catfish. Oh, man. Some good old Carolina catfish will get me going. But guys, get a chance. You go back, check out Ways of the World, their most recent release. Check out the most recent single, which would be Mountain. Fantastic. Can't thank Josh enough for coming on the show. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Dave. You know what time it is. Hmm. Shoe and tell, baby. Oh, yeah. Woo. Part 18. 18. Yeah. Man. I felt like you weren't really sure of that shoe and tell this time, Dave. You were like, is is it shoe and tell? I don't know. Well, is that I, what he's looking I was, for? I was thinking like it had to be, but I wasn't sure. I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah. And then you, I remembered you, we had just list what segment we're in. So you can't what, like section. I, I understand you can't lay into it when when and then be wrong and be like shoe and tell. No birthday suit. Damn. Like, no, David. Oh, oh <laughs> that was wrong. No, no, it it's is shoe third and birthday tell. suit first before I forget. It is shoe and tell. And I've got a humdinger. I've got a humdinger today. Right. I've got the Jordan 12s. Jordan Ooh. 12s, 2009 Cherry mm-hmm. Edition. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. White with the red. The Let's white go. and the red. Now, I'll tell you, my my friend, one of my friends, is has been on me for years trying to get these from trying me. to buy them off of you. <laughs> he, he has tried to buy these off of me for years. These are pristine, my friend. These are crystal white. I mean, the bottoms mm. are beautiful, immaculate. Right now, yep. right now, these are reselling on Flight Club, nine hundred and eighty dollars. Insane Jeez. upsell. Golly, on these. freaking Fight Club. Golly, insane upsell on these now. Uh, the 12s were obviously released. StockX is probably like half the price. <laughs> probably. Probably. Uh, now, the 12s were released during the 96-97 season. So, his second championship of the second three-peat. So, fifth mm-hmm. total championship. Uh, mm-hmm. This is another Tinker Hatfield Classic. Now, of course. Now, Tink had a, had a uh, tall order with these, you know. I mean, he had just released the 11s. Mm. So he had to come up with something that could compete with the 11s. Jeez. And we remember the 11s, the number one on ESPN's list. And you got to compete with that. But, you know, I I think think we can say... 12s are top five, definitely. I think we can say he got close. Uh, Now, Dave, the 12s were inspired by a 19th century Japanese shoe known as the Nishoki. 
Yes. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. And the shoe even uh, takes design cues from the Japanese flag. If you if you look mm. closely around the red rays there on the side, you see stitching mm. that represents the rising sun of the Japanese flag. That's so right. true. Mm. That's right. Interesting. Now, this was also the first Jordan shoe with Zoom Air. First one with Zoom Air. Yeah. Now, really? No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Things you find out on Jordan Shoe and Tell, Dave. Um, All right. Now, one complaint of the Jordan 12s is that if you really are playing basketball on these guys, they can get really hot because yeah. they have almost no ventilation. Like, there's, like, okay. no breathability in these guys at all. But a lot of people seem to play with the 12s. It Well, it does have, like, it's got a very good sole, and that Zoom mm -hmm. Air feels good. It's just that it can get a little hot on you. It can just get a little yeah. hot on you. Man, when you're running your feet get hot, oh, boy, yeah. does that suck. Yeah, you know what's even worse? I don't know if you've, I guess you'd experienced this before, but when you get a sunburn mm -hmm. on your feet and then you're playing in them, then it's just like oh, a no. It's just oh, like God, a I've roast fest. Oh yeah, I've had Jeez, that in open that gym. Awful. It's a killer. Yes! It's a killer. Yes! Anyways, another uh, very important thing uh, about the twelves. First Jordan shoe to be fully produced by the Jordan brand by itself. These are the first that oh, were... like off of Nike. N yeah, no Nike assistance on these at all. Not a Nike box. Wow. Not a Nike insole. Everything. Jordan. And that's why on the back you get the quality inspired by the greatest player ever on the back. Mm. That's right. That's right. Now, the most important thing about these shoes, these are the shoes that were worn during the incredible flu game. Yes. Where he scored 38 points, winning the game. Now, obviously, Dave, you have haters. You have the flu games? I do not have the black and reds. No, I do not have the breads, sadly. Sadly. But now, obviously, Dave, you have your haters saying that he wasn't mm -hmm. really that sick or that uh, his sickness wasn't the flu or it was. I heard he had the coronavirus. Food poisoning <laughs> or worse yet, <laughs> alcohol poisoning. Wait, what? But you know. Oh, I haven't heard that one. You know what, Dave? You can call it what you want. Nobody else, not Bill Russell, not Magic Johnson, not Kobe Bryant, not LeBron James, has ever mm -hmm. shown up to a finals game that sick and balled out right. that outrageous in a game. You Very take true. that to the bank, Jeez. listeners. Very true. Jeez. Sorry. You know I get fired up about Jordan. You know it happens. And, and, and goat talks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Jordan 12s, a great one. Check them out, guys. Jordan 12s. Very nice. Do it. Number 18. Number 18 in the collection. Okay. Dave, last birthday suit. You ready? I'm ready. Confident about this one. Got it. 95% I'm giving you. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's in your wheelhouse. We got a footballer this time. Um, born September 23rd, 1962. Our birthday suit wears... Uh, father was a football coach for 45 years. Hmm. Since his father was a football coach, our birthday suit wearer and his brother were always playing football. He ended up going mm -hmm. to Miami University in Ohio, and he played mm -hmm. as a defensive back. 
After college, he worked as an assistant coach on several college teams, starting with Western Michigan. He was first mm-hmm. hired by an NFL team uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles hired him as an assistant coach in 1998. In 2008, he was hired as the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. He has been the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens for the last 12 years and is still... Harborough. Yes. Which one? Uh, John Harborough. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Nicely done. John Harborough is correct. Jim being at uh, Michigan. And... Yes. Uh, his dad's name is Jake. Jake Hart. It's another J. It's another J. I, I forget. <laughs> I forget. His dad is Jake or Jeff or some J word along with uh, Jim and Joseph. John. Yeah, it right. might be Joe. It might be Joe Harper. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't know. know. I can't remember. It's another J. Anyways, yes, turning the big uh, fifty-eight. Fifty-eight oh, for John. Man. All right. So yeah. I guess Jim is. Jim looks older. I think. No, Jim is the younger brother. Oh, okay. It's because he's always stressed out. Jim stresses right, himself out way too much. Literally, he looks like he's stressed the <laughs> all the time. Yeah, he just, he, he's much more. Jim was the better football player as a player as well, you know. Obviously, he went to Michigan, and he actually started and played a lot. And, and John played at Miami, which obviously a smaller university there in Ohio. Um, right. But I got to say, I feel like John handles coaching better, you know? Right. He definitely seems a more smooth fit. He And, and he's got a uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. So. And he's got Lamar Jackson, so watch out. I mean, you got that dude. Oh, that guy's... He's good for the next 10 years. That guy's, got a, that guy's got a scary neck, man. His neck he is so thick. A, it's so it's buff. It's so manly. thick. It's just like all muscle, man. And then I when some, sometimes when he's on the sidelines and he's got his bad shades on, and you're just like, dude, that guy is an enforcer yeah. over there. I know it. And he just <laughs> I know it. he's just so smooth too with all of his moves, man. Like when he's out there and he's like, maybe I'll throw it. You know what? Maybe I won't. Maybe yeah. I'll run. Good Maybe luck. I'll spin move. I don't know. Him. Like, it's crazy. Crazy. I know yeah. it. And they got real lucky with that pick, too. They got real lucky. Yeah, 30th overall or something like that. Anyways, so John's got a Super Bowl. Congratulations, John. Happy birthday. Yep, yep. 58 Happy birthday. years old. All right, Dave. Got to tell you about some good shows. Do we got it. a couple coming up. Pretty excited about some. Now, I'll tell you, Dave, I came across this band. Mm hmm. And, and they blew me away. I was I was going I was going on uh, Instagram and I was just going through these videos. I came across this guy playing a solo mm-hmm. to their new song, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oh my God, this the sound is so fresh, but it's also so retro, right. and it's just got so many feelings in it." Mm-hmm. And their name is Doom Flamingo. Oh, Doom Flamingo. And let me tell you right now, listeners. Uh, I know we don't have them on this show, but let me tell you right now, if you go out there and you listen, you listen to either Domingo's Run Mm -hmm. or Runaway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you won't be disappointed. You won't. All right. You'll be like, thanks. You heard it, Thanks, Doc G. That was an amazing song. Because it is. Right. It's amazing. And right now, we're setting up an interview with him. We don't have him locked yet, but I've been talking to Hank. It's in the works. And we're going to get something worked out. 
We're going to get something worked out. Now, we do have it set in stone that Ben Miller from the Ben Miller Band will be on next week. I'm very excited about Ben Miller. All right, they all play right, a, right. A, a, a rough and tumble uh, blues rock Americana that just, it's in your face. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. And I'm very excited. They're going to be on the show next week, so you need to tune in. But until next week, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the furry love machine from Spain, better known as... I'm going to try not to screw it up, Dave. Are you ready? Do it. Makina de Amor Peluda, Dave Burles, Berlin. Spain, yo soy aquí. I am here. Let's go. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yes, that's right. He's in. He's in the second language, guys. I'm, I'm he's with in you, it. people. He's You're my there. People. He's there. That's right. That is right. And until next week, to all of our people, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.